Good morning, Gateway Church. Who are we? We are a family that pursues hard after God and His heart, and He has a heart for the lost people. Lost people matter to God, and God wants them found, and how He finds them is through us, His body, the church. Therefore, we want to be a family that's not ingrown, that only cares about its own needs. We want to be a family that is adopting. We want to adopt the lost and to seek out after the lost and to search after them. So as Doug stated, these three words are so critical, vital for us. We want to be a family that wins, builds, and equips. And wins talks about evangelism. So we want to do, you know, a, you know, a, a job, a, 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 a passion within our hearts that really every single one of us would say, what can I do to help reach the lost? And so those three words are missional words. They're important to us. Tonight at the town hall meeting, we're going to dialogue about the ground, ground game. I've been giving you like the 30,000-foot level. And, and some of you may be saying, okay, I understand what, what, what you're getting at, but how is that actually going to work? So we're going to go on the ground this evening. And I want to share with you some of the ground games, the, the goal. For instance, I want to share with you a win goal. What does that look like for us? Well, we want to see, here's one goal. And uh, I've been praying about this. We brought the staff together, Pastor Joel and Nathan. We spent time together praying. We believe that God wants us to see 30, at least 30 people get saved as a result of our ministry here at Gateway Church. 30 people. Now, some of you may say, wow, you guys need to get a little bit more faith going here. That's not many. Well, okay, I, 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 can, I can, can join hands with you on that, but let's start with 30, all right? We haven't seen 30 people get saved in one year for quite some time. I mean, people would actually be able to communicate to us I was once lost, but now I am found. I was once blind, but now I see as a result of the body of Christ becoming passionate about winning the lost, where you and I would say, that neighbor that I've been hanging around, seeing every once in a while, I'm building a relationship with that neighbor. He's becoming my friend and I do have ulterior motives. I want to see him come to Christ if he hasn't already. I want to share the gospel with this person at, at work. 30 people who would, who would be a part of this church who would be baptized and walk with Jesus Christ and grow in their relationship. 30. That's a goal. Calendar year, the ministry year here starts in September. All right, the ministry year goes from September through August. So, how are we going to meet that goal, for instance? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm just kind of giving you a little teaser in terms of what you can expect at this town hall meeting. How are we going to do that? Well, we have five approaches. We worked on this with an action plan for each approach. I'll share one now with you. 
One of the approaches to get to 30 people is that we're going to begin to offer salvation more often here, right here, from the pulpit. Some unsaved people had come to church. You may, you may not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ now. And approximately once a month, we started last week. Did you pick up on that? Last week, we shared the gospel. At the end of my message, we talked about today, using the, t- the today card right in front of you, in the, the, the chair pocket. It won't be there every week, but last week we had it there. You can see it. And Nathan played some, some music. We prayed. And we said, if you've never given your life to Christ today, for the first time, I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. We, we, we gave the, the gospel, a clear presentation of the gospel. And then we gave people an opportunity to respond. And then we had Mike and Connie Fleming right over here at the table. And they were there. If anybody responded to this, this invitation at the end of the service, they could just walk over to, to talk to, to Mike and Connie. And then we gave them a New Believer's New Testament. I love that Bible. Last week, we had three people who said it, they recommitted their life to Christ. That's box number two. Isn't that great news? I mean, three people who said... I want to get serious about my relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to keep doing it. So that is an approach on 10 separate occasions during the ministry year. So that's an example. I really want you to come tonight. I really want you to come tonight. Child care is available I want you to come and interact and ask questions, and I want you to pray with me. I mean, we're going to pray our way through this. It's a new season for us at Gateway Church. It's a great season. It's a season of, of opportunity. And we're, do, we're going to do some things that we've never done before. Like this, 30 people. I want to see their names and faces and and actually say, okay, this person got saved as a result of this ministry. And so we got to pray this through. It isn't going to happen without prayer. I want you to come and pray with me. Seek his face together. So let's just pray right now. Lord, we come to you. Lord, you know our hearts. We, we want to do what you've called us to do, Lord, as a church. You love lost people. You want them found. You want to build your body. You want to equip us all for service. I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to bless us with your presence and with your help. It's all for you. It's what motivates us. It's all for you, Jesus. We want to be obedient. Lord, as I I preach this message you've laid on my heart, I ask that you would anoint my heart, you would anoint my lips, God, that 
the words that you want us to hear would be spoken, that our hearts would be open and receptive now to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Title of my message this morning is this, Love is a Choice. Love is a Choice. You can check out the, the uh, insert in your bulletin. I've been doing outlines for any of you who like to take notes. You can, you can do that. The subject is love. That's a big subject, isn't it? Love. That, wow. What are you going to say about love? Well, central theme is this. We're going to narrow in on that and talk about loving your enemies. Loving your enemies. Why would we do something that crazy? Because we happen to be in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus talks about loving our enemies. He said, verse 27 of chapter 6, But to you who are listening... I say, Jesus said these words. Pastor Paul didn't say these words. He said, love your enemies. Do good to those who, what? Hate you. I set the stage here with the the message, Sermon on the Mount, last week. It's Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Jesus went down with them, that was his disciples, and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. I mean, so there were thousands of people. This was his first big-time message. This was it. Before he taught and preached in synagogues, smaller audiences, and this was the first time that he spoke to thousands and thousands of people. I was at that spot. It's a pretty cool spot. North of the Sea of Galilee, just north of, of Capernaum, that, that uh, coastal town, that fishing town. And last week I showed you a, a video of the boat, boat ride that Deanna and I were on on the north side of the, the Sea of Galilee, and we showed you from the, the boat to the shoreline. Today I want to show you a picture of the, a video of what it looked like from the, the place where Jesus preached this message. Right? We were at this, this place here, and you can see how it's, it's wide open, it's plains, thousands of people could be there. It was up on the, the mountainside or the, right below the hill there, and down into the valley, and there you can see the backdrop that Jesus had was the Sea of Galilee. And here's a picture of what that looked like. They would be assembled there. Acoustically, they could hear every word that he said. It's a cool place. And this is what Jesus said, but to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others what you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now by just reading that text, I have your attention. Jesus had the attention of they'd never heard anything like this. It was eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And he's saying, he's flipping everything upside down. Let's get real. I can read that text, but loving people, it's not easy to do, is it? Anybody here can say, man, it's so easy for me to love people. I mean, I even have, we all have a hard time even loving those who love us in return, our families. But we're tired sometimes, and we get cranky and irritable, and it's like people can get under our skin. Now Jesus is telling us to love our enemies. And if you wait around for some warm, sentimental feeling to come over you, you won't love very well, right? Sometimes to love, you have to choose to be obedient and do the right thing. Isn't that what Jesus teaches here? There's not a lot of sentiment in his words. The word he uses is agape love. Now, many of you here would say, okay, I've heard the study of the various Greek words for love, but it's important that you understand he uses the word agape. Jesus did not here in this text command storge. That's natural affection. That's one word for love. Natural affection. He didn't say love your enemies with natural affection because he knows that you don't have that kind of feeling towards your enemies. He didn't command eros, romantic love. He didn't say philea, the love of friendship. No, he uses this, this word agape love. Such a love is not motivated by the merit of the one who is loved. The other kind of love, that comes naturally. But agape love supersedes natural inclinations and often exists in spite of them. It is, listen, a deliberate love rooted in the will. Love by what? Choice. Agape, agape love says this, I will love this person because by God's grace I choose to love this person. Not because I want to. I don't. Not because they deserve it. They don't. You say amen to that. Don't say amen to that. But because I love God and I desire to do His will. That's why I love my enemies. 
Okay, this is heavy stuff, isn't it? Oh, it is. So I think it's time to lighten the mood. Last week, that was heavy stuff too, so I told you a story about my, my dog, our family dog, Boomer, and he's doing better this week, all right? But I'm, I'm going to tell you a funny story about a commercial I saw a couple of years ago. It's got a little tie into this, this message here, but it was funny. It was a Geico commercial, I think it was. The commercial goes something like this. A weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop, all right? Maybe you saw this one. The waitress had just served him when three tough-looking, leather-jacketed motorcyclists of the Hells Angels type decided to give him a hard time. What do they do? They verbally abuse this guy. Nice guy. One grabbed his hamburger. It's all. I just, I can still see it. Grabbed his hamburger, started to eat it. Another guy grabbed his cup of coffee and started to drink it. We're talking about love this morning, remember? Well, this trucker didn't respond as one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose, picked up his check, walked out the front door, put the check and his money on the cash register and went out the door. The waitress followed him to put the money in the till and stood watching out the door as the big truck drove away into the night. When she returned, one of the bikers said to her, well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't a very good truck driver because I see three busted up motorcycles underneath of his trailer as he drove out. <laughs> I, how do, why do I remember that stuff? But I really liked it. I thought, well, you got him. This truck driver, he got him. That's a, I'd say that's kind of my kind of justice. When someone wrongs us, our first instinct is to smile, stay calm, but to get them back, to get even, to hurt them as they have hurt us. This is the world's answer to being wrong. But Jesus gives his followers a different response. He tells us to what? Love our enemies. Love our enemies. So the objective is this. You can love your enemy by what? Obeying three commands that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. I struggled using the word commands. I did. It sounds too negative. Commands. So I switched commands with responses. I thought, oh, that's a little nicer, touchy-feely word. You know, three responses. It's like, no, Jesus would never use the word response. I might use the word response. I might say three responses, you know, if you feel like it. You know, just love God and the feelings of love will come over you. And when the time is right, God's love will superintend and you will love your enemies and they'll be from the heart and you'll really like them and love them and you'll have these warm, sentimental, gooey feelings for them. Response, he would say, no, no, no. You may never have any good feelings towards your enemy. Jesus commands us 
Love your enemy. He's the untamable one. He has no rivals. Jesus has the final word in all things. He would say in the most loving but strong way, listen up, disciples. That would be us. What I'm about to say next is not a suggestion or a response or a sentiment or a feeling. This is my command. So I say it again, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. It's not a response, it's a command. And I don't know about you, but that's just impossible for me to do. If I look at it that way. But if I just say, Holy Spirit... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you at your word here. I'm going to begin to obey your word and just take the steps of obedience. You're going to see a change. But you have to identify who your own enemies are. In the broadest sense, an enemy is anyone who turns against us. The dictionary defines an enemy as one who feels hatred toward, intends injury to, or opposes the interest of another. That's an enemy. It's important as we think about what Jesus said that we we don't restrict the term enemy to only people like the dictator in North Korea or ISIS in the Middle East. I mean, if you leave today saying, well, this text really is love my enemies way out there and they don't really affect how I live today. You can say, okay, you can nod your head, right? You can nod your head. Well, I read that scripture, don't always understand it, trying to figure out exactly how to live it out. But if my enemies are way, 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 way out there, if I can somehow neutralize them, isolate them, Make sure my enemy doesn't really have an impact on how I live my life today or doesn't really affect me. But my personal enemies tend to be much closer to home. In fact, home is the first place that Jesus says, They may be. He said these words, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household, Matthew 10, 36. In that very passage, he specified three very close relationships that can turn, a father and a son. I mean, boy, that's that's hard to think that you would actually possibly have an enemy within your own household. Someone who's turned against you in heart. Who you may not label as an enemy, but someone who you love, who doesn't hold your values, in fact, despises your values, has turned against you. What's my response? A mother and her daughter, Jesus said. A mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. 
when we can extrapolate that from that list to other closer relationships, including parent, child, husband, wife, on and out there, right within our own families. How about work? There might be someone at work that really dislikes you. You know it. How about church? We may even come to church and see people we would rather not see. In church, we're getting closer to home. If you think of it just in those terms, home, work, and church, Jesus is saying that's where our enemies are found. An enemy is someone who wants you to fail. Who likes to see you falter and stumble and even suffer? Who really does have it out for you? You might be thinking, well, I, I don't have anyone like that in my life. I'm, if, you, if you're not thinking of anybody or you can't think of anybody right now, good. I'm, 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 that is a great place to be right now. But you have before in your life, Right? You're going to have an enemy in the future somewhere. Everyone has or, or has had or has an enemy. You have, you have at least one person. I know I'm going to burst your bubble. Some of you are really nice people. You're not ag- antagonistic and, you know, some of you know you got, a, you got enemies, all right? It's like, you don't have to tell me I have enemies. I know that. Tell me how to deal with it. Okay, I'm learning. I got some steps. But even some of you really nice people, you have at least one person who really doesn't like you very much. Maybe for no reason at all. You may be asking, well, what did I do? Why does this person have it out for me? And truth be told, we'd like to drive an 18-wheeler over their motorcycle and chuckle when we look in the rearview mirror. What do I do with my enemies? Love them. Obedience is is to do the right and godly thing, period. I know the truth. I will ask the Holy Spirit to obey me. Don't wait around. Today, do it today. Do good, number one, to those who hate you. Love by our actions. Do good to those who hate you. Love by our actions. Let me teach this point by using a modern, modern day parable. Jesus used parables to drive home his point. He's a, he's a great storyteller. And he would take a modern-day event that was fictional most of the time, and he, he would use, you know, the field, farming, agriculture, wine press, I mean, all the pictures of the day. And he would tell a story. It was called a parable. But 
The power of the parable was always in the tension it created. If the parable never created any tension in your heart, you didn't really understand the story. It was just like, okay, what good is that story? But if you, got, if you had some tension inside you, parable was powerful. So I'm going to tell you a modern-day parable. Christian lady owned two prized chickens. Now, this parable is not going to be very good in, in light of what, how Jesus would tell the story. But this lady, Christian lady, loved the Lord. She had two prized chickens that got out of their pen and busied themselves in the garden of the lady's rather grouchy neighbor. Please tell me you're not that guy. The man was incensed when he saw the two hens. So he ran out, caught the hens, wrung their neck, both of them, threw them back over the fence, dead. As you can imagine, the woman was upset, but she avoided to rush over and scream at the man. Instead, she took the birds, dressed them out, prepared two chicken pot pies. You know where this is going. Then she delivered one of the freshly baked pies to the man who had killed her hens. Knocked on the door. And she gave this chicken pot pie, you know, it was still steaming. And she apologized to him for not being more careful about keeping her chickens in her own yard. Her children were hiding behind a tree, expecting an angry scene. They watched this man. He was absolutely speechless. The chicken pot pie was right there. And not that you're always going to get this kind of response. Your enemy might say, hey, I don't want this pie. He could throw it out. He could tell you to do something with it. But this guy received it, and because of, the, of this act of kindness, he was speechless. And then later on, he apologized for what he had done. All of that to say is that the Lord is going to call us to do good to those who hate you. What is some action that you can do? Maybe it's to mow his lawn. Maybe it's to bake a pie of some kind. What kind of thing can you do? Not that, that that gift in itself will change the heart of that person who doesn't like you, but simply because it's an act of obedience. Maybe the code word would be, I got a chicken pot pie day coming up. When I say that to Deanna, she's going to know exactly what I mean. That means this. I'm going to actually do something kind and loving for someone I know who's opposed, who's against me, who's my enemy. And we all have enemies. You got to do something with this word. Jesus won't allow you not to do something. 
Pastor Paul might let you off the hook today. He might say, pray about it, think about it. But Jesus would say, no, I want you to do something now, today, this week. Someone you know doesn't like you, I want you to do something good for that person. Two, bless those who curse you. Three, pray for those who mistreat you. When you bless those who curse you, you love by our, our words. When we pray for those who mistreat us, we love by our prayers. Have you ever discovered the people who mistreat you have a way of dominating your thoughts? It's hard to get our minds off what they've done to us. I can think of people who, when people have wronged me, and instead of just moving on, I dwell on what they did and it just consumed my thoughts. You made me miserable. And you just kind of get tired of being dominated by them in your mind that you begin to say, okay, Jesus, I think you have something to say about this. Instead of cursing my enemy with my words, I'm going to start to bless them with my words. When I talk to you, God, about them and, and tell you how wrong they've, they've done me, I'm going to begin to switch that because you already know the wrong that has been committed against you. God knows every painful event, everything that has been done to harm you. He wants you to begin to use your words to actually bless your enemy. Maybe all you need to do is say those words. Jesus, I bless today. Bless them, Lord. It's powerful. Pray for those who mistreat you. I close with this. I'm going to ask Nathan just to come and I'm going to just spend a few moments just praying. Because we have to conclude in a a way where you and I say, okay, Jesus, uh, I'm listening. You have my attention. Somehow and in a unique way that, that God knows, he uses the foolishness of preaching. And as those who proclaim the word of God, we simply open up the words. I only, I only really talked about two verses today. And you've heard these verses a lot in your life. I have. To the point where I thought, well, I already know that stuff. I want to get on to the deep things of God. It's like, these are the deep things of God. These are the deep things of God, church. Listen to me now. You don't move on to something else just because you want to gain more knowledge of the word and not love people, not love your enemies, not do good to those who want to harm you, who want to see you stumble and fail and fall, who actually see delight in your suffering. Well, I'd rather just isolate them, move them out of my brain, somehow, someway get them out of my brain. That would be a win for me. But Jesus doesn't even allow me to do that. That was what I was convicted with this week. It's like, no. You you need to follow that up and actually bless them with your words. 
Not curse them. Do good to those who hate you. But the ultimate motivation to love my enemies is that if I don't, it affects my relationship, my fellowship with God. My fellowship with Jesus. It does. If you have hate in your heart towards your enemy, it will poison your fellowship with God. It can't, it can't divide your relationship. Nothing can separate that relationship with God. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about that sweet fellowship that we can have with God. I mean, that intimate fellowship with Jesus that is just so heart to heart where I'm just pouring out my love to God. If I got hate in my heart, I can't pour out my, my love to Jesus in the most intimate way. It's like something gets blocked. It's like, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. Ah, oh, no. I haven't blessed my enemy, and it's dulling my heart. We got to get to a place in our lives where we won't let anything separate us from receiving that love, that sweet communion with God. So if that means I got to bake a chicken pot pie and give that to my enemy, Jesus is worth it. I mean, Jesus would say my enemy is worth it. I might say, well, I'm just doing this because I obey, I'm obeying, but ultimately, Jesus, you're worth it. I love you more, God. I'm not going to let someone who dislikes me steal the most important thing that I have. So are you poisoned today? Well, today's the day to get rid of it. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask you to find a quiet place where you can pray. In your heart, many times I just bow my head and close my eyes. If you want to do that, you can. You don't have to. I'm going to even ask Nathan just complete silence for 60 seconds, all right? I want you to think right now of that enemy that has caused you pain, who you know doesn't like you. Don't leave without blessing them in prayer. Don't leave without thinking of something kind that you can do for them. Don't leave today without praying for them. This is hard. This is what Jesus has called us to do as Christians. This is how we grow.
Thank you for your word, Jesus. So we just end our service. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. They're going to be here. Do you have a need? Do you like prayer, special prayer? Maybe there's just something in this message that you want to respond to. I encourage you to come. If you want to just stay where you're at, quietly pray and seek the Lord and do that. Allow the Holy Spirit just to work in your hearts. Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you and give you grace and peace. Amen.